Welcome to Drilling Deep. I'm your host, John Kingston, here where we drill deep into oil and we drill deep into diesel because we wouldn't have much of a trucking industry without it. And also where we drill deep into an issue of the day, we're going to keep our diesel focus with our guest today. He's Mike Roth of the North American Council for Freight Efficiency, and he's going to talk about what 2020 brought in terms of gains for efficiency with a particular focus on diesel consumption. He'll be with us in a few minutes. I did a story this week for Freight Waves on the great commodity surge that has been gripping markets for several months now. Depending on what time you, you know, what kind of calendar you measure it against, it's two months, three months, five months, whatever. Truckers know it most vividly in the fact that the weekly Department of Energy, Energy Information Administration retail price has moved higher for 11 consecutive weeks. In the history of the series, going back to the early 90s, there have only been three other times with increases of 11 consecutive weeks or more. The record is 15. It may be a challenge to keep up the streak next week because a lot of the indicators this week were flat to down. But even if it moves up just one-tenth of a cent from its current level of $2.96.6, that's a 12-week streak, the third longest since the since the 90s. Oh, wait, let me, let me correct that. That's not $2.96. That's $2.69.6. But in that story, what I was found most notable in doing my research was a quote I had from Jeff Curry. He's the head of commodities at Goldman Sachs, and his pronouncements on the commodity markets are watched very closely. He did a podcast last month that got a lot of attention. I finally got around to listening to it this week in writing the story. It wasn't just about oil. It was about the whole range of commodities, agriculture, metals, and so on. And he said something that was really sort of shocking. He said for the first time, in his long career watching commodities, every market that he follows is in deficit. Every one of them currently has global demand in excess of supply. In some ways, it shouldn't be shocking. The weakness in a lot of commodity markets in recent years was then followed by a plummeting in demand in the spring as the pandemic took hold. That sort of combination has precedence in history, though maybe not without a pandemic. Um, but it always results in significant cuts in capital expenditures to drill for oil, to dig for copper, to produce lumber. When markets start to come back, when the demand starts to come back, the end result is always that supply lags demand and you start to get a price increase. The problem getting out of that this time around is that the pandemic has slowed reaction times and the capital that would normally flow into markets to respond to those increases just isn't going to come in at the same level it might have in the past. And on top of that, you've got another problem. Banks are shying away from loaning to the extractive industries like mining and oil production to be more compliant with their goals of ESG. Those are principles for environmental, social, and governance practices are not written in stone. There is nothing in them that says a bank can't loan to an oil drilling project. And I'm not saying that's the only reason why capital flows to the oil industry have tightened. A lot of banks have been burned too many times to open up the purse strings again. But add the ESG concerns on top of it, and it can be seen as laying the groundwork for an upward movement in oil prices driven by a lack of investment in new supply. Remember, oil production on its own will decline an average of about 7% a year just through depletion. That means if demand is steady, you need to tack on 7% in new supply just to stay even. Of course, demand in 2020 and demand in 2021 also is not going to be even with 2019, the last year of normalcy. In 2020, demand dropped about 9% worldwide compared to 2019. But it's notable that by the end of this year, according to the International Energy Agency, they're predicting that oil demand will only be about 
two to three percent below where it was in the corresponding period of 2019. So my reaction to that is so much for the end of oil. A quicker return to normalcy, and that means a lot more people will be getting on airplanes. By the end of this year, the decline in jet fuel consumption because of people not flying is going to account for the vast majority of the overall decline in total oil consumption, and eventually that's going to be fixed. This is not a projection of a big surge in prices. Even Curry, looking over all of his markets out of balance, sees Brent crude oil, that's the world benchmark, he sees it averaging $65 per barrel in 2021. Now, that is up from current prices of about $55 to $56, so we're not talking about a massive jump. But when an industry suffers from underinvestment for years, as oil is likely to do, it can't help but tighten up supplies, and eventually you're going to see that in the price. We're going to turn our attention now on drilling deep to our guest of the week. He's a good friend of Freight Waves. Mike Roth is the executive director of the North American Council for Freight Efficiency, the NACFE, or I guess, Mike, you refer to it as NACFE? Yeah, that's right. We do. Okay. So, and every time I see the initials, though, I can't help but think that the F stands for fuel, but obviously fuel efficiency is a key to efficiency overall, and that's one of the areas that Mike and his organization is focused on. So, Mike, welcome to Drilling Deep today. Yeah, thanks, John, and uh, happy to be here. And you're right. It's about moving freight, not just uh, using little fuel. And that's a little bit of a nuance, but it's really important that the founders of NACFI 11 years ago did make it freight efficiency and not fuel efficiency. I mean, fuel efficiency works for a car, but not for a, a truck where, you know, you can have 50,000 50, pounds of freight and, um, you know, hauling that much freight gets you less fuel economy, but does more of what you're paid to do. And that's move freight. Right. There's also the, somebody was explaining LTL economics to me one time, and he, he said, you know, it's very different economics if you're pulling 500 pounds of rocks and 500 pounds of feathers. Yeah, you lose about a half a mile per gallon for every 10,000 pounds. So, um, you know, if you got a 30,000 pounds difference, you know, that can be one and a half mile per gallon. But, uh, you know, it, it's uh, so that it, it does matter what weight you're hauling, but the whole thing to do with the fuel and the cost is to move freight and we want to move more of it. So um, that's why we talk about freight efficiency. So let's talk about 2020, you know, in, in by February and certainly into early March, suddenly truck dryers were faced with almost like a Nirvana, a Nirvana situation because their, their uh, the services were very much in demand to restock the shelves as people uh, loaded up on food and toilet paper and all that sort of stuff. And the roads emptied. Uh, the big bottlenecks that they faced all the time, and you name a city, you name a place, and it was there. Those pretty much all disappeared. Then, of course, you know, the market collapsed after that. You had some of the lowest freight rates ever. And then by the end of the year, again, you've got great freight rates. Uh, you've got much higher diesel prices, uh, but you've also got the traffic levels aren't back to where they were, but certainly I'm sure there's plenty of bottlenecks out there once again. So all in all, what did this mean for f uh, freight efficiency? And you know, I can, we'll, we'll go to fuel efficiency. Okay, what did that all this mean for fuel and freight efficiency in 2020? Is it was it? Can you can you give an answer for the full year, or is it just like three different years yeah. almost? Well, we did have an extraordinary year, uh, and so with less cars on the road, you know, truckers had uh, their job was easier, quite honestly, and so. Getting through Atlanta or up the East Coast, um, it was, um, and there's plenty of data to support that uh, that was easier to do. And that gets more productivity, gets uh, more miles in the day. I mean, the, 
drivers only have so many hours of service. So if they can get through those congested choke points uh, better. I mean, the other thing we saw is uh, cleaner air uh, with, uh, and so that, that, even though that was not a good time for all of us uh, with less car traffic and some less truck traffic, uh, it gave us some real insights into, um, you know, what life would be like if we had uh, less congestion, both from, a, you know, fuel efficiency and getting the goods to market as well as sort of cleaner air. Um, you know, overall fuel economy in 2020 continued to improve. I mean, the truck builders are bringing some great efficient products, um, you know, with, with more aerodynamics, better um, cruise control and powertrain technologies. And so we continue to see. Um, even with relatively low at the pump fuel prices, uh, you know, manufacturers bring in better fuel economy and, uh, and, 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 and fleets buying it. Uh, one other note is the greenhouse gas phase two uh, U.S. federal regulation really kicks in here in 2021. So the manufacturers need to uh, build more fuel efficient trucks to meet the regulation. So that, that's also having a, an effect on better fuel economy. How much chatter are you hearing in the market there about the current run-up in prices? As we know, uh, the EIA DOE diesel price, average re- weekly retail diesel price, which is the basis for fuel surcharges, that's up 11 weeks in a row. As we've written in freight waves, to go back in history like 30 years, you can only find three other times that it's been up 11 weeks or more in a row. Are you hearing a lot of that as, as now being an issue? Yeah, I mean, as as fuel prices go up, um, fleets get more concerned about that overall cost in their uh, in their in their system, right? So, you know, the the whole fuel surcharge, we'll leave that alone. I mean, if you can save money on fuel as a fleet or as a truck driver, uh, you know, it makes sense to your bottom line to do it. Uh, but as fuel prices go up, um, it becomes a bigger part. You know, at, at about three eighty five. Now, I know we're nowhere close to that, John, but about three eighty five, the fuel becomes for a you know a long haul trucker, the fuel becomes a bigger expense than the labor and the benefits for the driver. So it's huge, um, and you know even when it's low, two 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 fifty maybe is considered low uh, where we've been for a while. It's still a big a big cost. So uh, we see fleets paying a lot of attention to it. Uh, we also see the larger fleets and medium sized fleets too starting to uh, really want to burn less fuel to save uh, save emissions and to help with the sustainability, which is. You know, something that all of industry, uh, you know, is paying attention to now with different, um, you know, financial accounting um, questions being asked, as well as the public just, you know, wanting a more uh, sustainable world. So um, it's not just the fuel price like it was historically that drives interest in saving saving fuel and, and doing that with better spec trucks and trailers and, and educating drivers and, and different things that they have at their disposal to do. Yeah, I know when you see a lot of the publicly traded uh, trucking companies and they've declared their adherence to a set of principles on ESG, environmental social governance, you know, there's not that many things you can do in this business um, in the short run to make yourself better on an ESG basis. But one thing you can say is, hey, look at all the things that we've done uh, in terms of getting our fleet more modernized, and that's cut down on emissions. And therefore, you know, we're very good on the E part of E, <laughs> of ESG. Well, and some people say that, uh, you know, that, hey, diesel trucks have been here a long time. You know, we've kind of wrung out all the improvements and it is what it is. But that's not the case. I mean, we national average fuel economy for class eight heavy duty tractor trailers is, you know, a little higher than six. You know, new trucks maybe average seven and a half or eight. But, you know, we we done our run on less events and so forth. And we see 
you know, truckers out there doing 10 and 11 mile per gallon. So to say there's no improvement left is, is really wrong. It's a matter of picking the right truck for, for the duty cycles you're running and, and, and really being up on some of these, you know, really valuable technologies like aerodynamics and low rolling resistance tires and other things to, to, to burn less fuel and, and save a lot of money. There's still opportunity there. Yeah, the curve of opportunity, and really not just in in, tr- in trucking fuel efficiency, but really in almost any industry, it's it's amazing. We all know Moore's law and how that affects microprocessors, uh, and it's not quite the same in fuel efficiency. But just when you get to a level, you think, boy, you just can't get any more than this. Somehow, engineers find a way to get more of it. So let's talk about something you you mentioned earlier in passing, but it, it's some it's an event that you run or program you run that I I've always found fascinating which is the run on less. And of course, you had to make some changes in it this year, I assume, because of the pandemic. So how did it do in 2020? Maybe you can talk first about how it's structured and then also how it ran in this past year. Yeah, I love talking about run on less. Uh, You know, we're we're an organization, we're nonprofit, unbiased, and we're about 11 years old. And after studying a lot of technologies that I've that I've already mentioned in, you know, in this podcast, we had a we sat around and we said, okay, well, we know what the average is today, and we sort of have talked with fleets and so forth, but we, what would be the best of the best out there? I mean, who's out there with the best fuel economy? They're, you know, they're, they have tractor trailer with a lot of the technologies. They, they have a great driver or a bunch of great drivers that are doing really well. And that's sort of born uh, run on less. And so the first two runs were all diesel, one in 17 and one in 2019. You can see all kinds of data and videos and, and interesting stuff on runonless.com. And what we uh, what we found was that in long haul, 10.1 MPG is what uh, seven truckers did in the first run. Um, you know, one of them called it the most competitive, non-competitive event they'd ever been in. I mean, we weren't trying to compare each one. We were, you know, because each one of them was a little different. And then in 19, it was about regional haul which is a lot tougher. It's a growing part of our business, right? With LTL and private fleets and so forth and dedicated uh, parts of the for hire market, uh, more start and stops, more focus on getting the job done, get the driver home, less focus really on fuel economy, but there 10 trucks with some really big fleets ended up at 8.3 mile per gallon. And, you know, many looked at that and said, wow, that's, that's really good for regional. And so, you know, that's, that's just kind of where, where some of the best are doing. On the long haul, the long haul, you said you got in excess of 10. Were they empty? Um, did you just make everybody empty so they're all on the same basis? No, I mean, no. I'm not sure. maybe, maybe the easiest way to make them all on the same basis was to have the exact same weight in the, in the trailer. Yeah, so that gets into one of the big challenges of run on less. You know, is it an engineering test where we control things and, and so forth, or do we make it real more real world? And we decided on the later ladder. So it's real trucks, real freight, what they would normally be doing. But you bring up a great point. We don't want them gaming the system of driving, you know, uh with an empty trailer or even in a situation where they don't even haul a trailer just to get a high MPG. That goes against moving freight. So we uh recorded and we published, uh, you know, the payload they had in the truck across uh, uh, the the whole thing. And you know, those that ten point one, um, you know, they they uh, maybe ran a little lighter in their total GBW than uh, than the average, but not much. I mean, it was representative of real trucking. Um, the other the other kind of funny thing is we hear all the time is, well, they go too slow and that's impractical. And so we measured their speed, and no, they really didn't. Um, you know, they had average speeds in the 
you know, 53, 54 mile an hour range, which, um, you know, when you think about all the start and stop congestion going through cities, you know, that's a, that's a cruise speed in the 63, 64 miles speed, 65. So that's nowhere near slow, but that's exactly what we do with run on lessons. We try to put it in real context and make it, make it real. And last week or in the last couple of weeks, we've now announced what we're going to do here in 2021 and we're going to make run on less about electric trucks. So we're right now searching for 10 great examples of, of electric trucks in class three to class eight and uh, plan in September to, to do the run again, uh, following these 10 electric trucks for three weeks, interviewing drivers, streaming data, uh, really getting into how they're charging, et cetera. And, and uh, really excited about that, John, for here in uh, here in 2021. That's also on runonless.com. Well, it'll be very appropriate because when we spoke a few weeks ago, you said something. To, you said to me something to the effect of, you know, given everything that happened in 2020, you really wouldn't have expected any kind of progress on the whole issue of electric trucks and hydrogen and how they come together. You know, that whole sort of ecosystem. And yet, you said there was a lot of progress and there was a lot of discussion. And you know, you were surprised at how much there was. What was kind of like the big takeaway from 2020 in terms of electric vehicles and or hydrogen vehicles? I mean, some people say they're really the same thing, but there's battery vehicles, then there's hydrogen vehicles where you're you know, using a fuel cell to produce electricity and run the engine. So why was 2020 such a good year? Yeah, I call it a good year and that more progress was made. I mean, I've, I've been in this industry 35 years, John, and I've been most of it's been in, you know, product development, you know, either at truck side, engine side and so forth. And, and you think about, you know, put yourself in, in charge of a of a truck engineering organization right now. And, you know, there's a lot of demands. You're, you're trying to create trucks that are lower cost and safe and that drivers want to drive with the driver, um, you know, att attraction retention challenges. You've got the greenhouse gas rule, um, all kinds of, of projects and stuff you need to do around your around your truck brand and your truck products. And now we've got autonomy and electric trucks and connectivity hydrogen on and on and so how those companies fund resource get people in place to make all those projects go while they're doing all those other projects is, is a real balancing act and then you throw on top of that the pandemic where you know these engineers can't even go to the office they 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 don't have their cost accountants and their reliability engineers and all of the you know people that they use to do this product development, they're no longer in the same building. They can't have design reviews and so forth. All that has to go virtual. The suppliers can't come. I mean, generally, engineering organizations have suppliers that come and co-locate. All that had to be done virtually. And um, and even even to go to the manufacturing plants for things like building prototypes and and, and early pilots. And so. I expected a lot of engineering efforts to not come to a stop, but really be slowed down and challenged. Um, they also had revenue issues, right? So they, they're trying to contain costs in their engineering organization. So kudos to, um, you know, all those companies out there, whether they're startups, uh, you know, to name a few like a Nikola or a Tesla, you know, you BYD and others in the space, as well as some of the, all of the traditional folks. You know, they they made more progress on electric trucks in particular and, and really a lot of these technologies than than I think. And it's just um, a real good testament to the industry and our collaboration. Now, NACFI did come out with a report on hydrogen vehicles two or three weeks ago. Uh, you want to sum up what was in there? Yeah. So hydrogen has really been sort of the a hot topic in the last uh, six months, I'll say. And and, you know, it it. it 
you know, in, in the research labs, it's always been, um, you know, kind of the, 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 the end game, right? You know, if we can figure out hydrogen, uh, you know, it'll, it'll be, uh, you know, zero emission and, and really be a great thing. But it always comes with challenges. Uh, and the, uh, the learning we had when we did that report uh, and, and is that uh, battery electric trucks uh, should be the first thing fleets look at when they're trying to, you know, become zero emission away from, from diesels. They're very simple. You know, you plug them in, power goes to the battery, battery goes through power electronics and, you know, onto the wheels and you go. Elegantly simple, I keep saying, the battery electric truck. Um, as opposed to, or, you know, other solutions like diesel electric hybrids or hydrogen electric trucks, which really is a, you know, uses the hydrogen fuel cell as a range extender for an electric backbone of the truck. You know, those should, those are more complex vehicles. Uh, they're higher. They're going to, you think there'll be a higher cost, at least in the areas where you don't have a ton of battery. And so our biggest learning and study in hydrogen fuel cell electric trucks is they will be part of the solution. But if a battery truck will do the job, uh, really, you should focus there first and then only go to hydrogen or hybrids or other things if, if it can't get it done and, and give you the cost of ownership over time. Right. You mentioned earlier in the uh, podcast something about some new standards, some new emission standards that uh, OEMs are going to be facing this year. Just in general, looking out to the Biden administration, uh, what kind of stricter carbon mitigation rules do you think uh, truckers are going to have to face, maybe you know, truckers or truck manufacturers? And what's that going to do to fuel efficiency? Yeah, so first of all, the, the greenhouse gas phase two rule that I mentioned um, was an Obama level rule that went into place in 2016 uh, for that starts in 2021 through 2030. And uh, that rule was left unchanged through this past administration. And um, part of it is I think the the uh, manufacturers, rather than being against it, they um, came supportive of it because it gave them confidence in the technologies they were developing that they would be they would be purchased. It has in it a, a electric truck um, uh, benefit where you if you sell electric trucks, it, it actually helps support the greenhouse gas, you know, quote unquote, diesel um, regulation. So if you sell electric trucks, you know, that helps with compliance. Uh, as we move forward, you know, the Biden administration has talked about, um, you know, electric um, re re-entered the Paris Agreement. Um, things like that might have us see that, um, you know, zero emission vehicles, whether they be electric or hydrogen, uh, might be favored in some rules and, and have some incentives. So you got both the regulatory stick, if you will, and the incentive carrot. And incentives are really important for these uh, zero emission trucks. You need infrastructure and charging. You also need the uh, higher cost of the trucks here in the early days. And so, uh, yeah, I, I would expect maybe to see some things there, but you know, you never know. I mean, there's a lot that needs to take place in Washington when, you know, to, to actually get um, things done. Um, so uh, any, any other thoughts about the Biden administration and the kind of goals that you've got and how you think 2021 might play out? I don't know. I mean, I think sometimes there's, you know, there's a, a lot of things in the moment that seem big. Um, but, you know, I've learned in trucking, you know, we got to get the, you know, we got to get the coffee to the market. We got to get, you know, jeans to the stores. I mean, the, the industry uh, constantly needs to, to, to deliver and do what we need to do. And, and they'll do that. The trucking industry does that through holidays. It does it through pandemics. You know, it does it um, all the time. And so, uh, you know, it, whether or not we have more 
regulations, less regulations. I, I do believe, as I said earlier, that the industry already is working hard on environmental sustainability. And so uh, how the rules work in and for, or, you know, often against, you know, is something for others to, to really think about other than us here at NACFI. But um, I just know that the industry is going to come through with uh, moving the freight and, and doing it better all the time. Well, of course, one thing about regulation is it does tend to favor the large because they've got the bigger balance sheet to handle the costs. And then in a in an industry with so many small entrepreneurs, you know, one person fleet, you know, one truck fleet, five truck fleet, you do worry sometimes about their ability to keep up with the others. So that's uh, always a rule about an, an environmental regulation, uh, really all regulation, and we'll see how it plays out. So, uh, Mike, I, I, I'm going to get a promise from you now to come back in September or October after you've run your little contest with electric electric batteries and tell us all about the results. Oh, I'd love to, John. It's going to be really exciting. Um, we have an education series and everything. So, you know, if, if you're curious about electric trucks, this is kind of, you know, I'm, I'm a little biased, but it's the place to be here in 2021. Um, watch us on runonless.com. Yeah, well, when you see when you see the capital flows, I don't think I think the markets agree with you as well. So, anyway, <laughs> yeah, we, we want to thank Mike Roth. He's Roth. He's the executive director of the North American Council for Freight Efficiency for being our guest today on Drilling Deep. Drilling Deep is part of the Freight Cash family of podcasts from Freight Waves. You can find us on all the major platforms for podcasts. I'm your host, John Kingston. Please join us again. <laughs> 